Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. You can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. All right, good morning again. Hey, uh, real quick, I, I need to clarify something. If we can put that slide up for the uh, Ukraine, if you would. Uh, I, I need to be clear. If you do want to give to that, um, you can just, you, you text 84321, and then you, you, you put the amount in that you want to give, uh, but then right next to that amount, say missions, and it'll go right to, we'll know exactly where it's supposed to go. So if you would do that, um, and in fact, if you didn't do that, you can even put refund on there, and it'll refund it back, and then you can do it the right way. So sorry, that was confusing. I'll make sure I get that right second service. So you can come then and get it right there. Sound good? Uh, you can do Ukraine even now. So you can do missions as well, but you can do Ukraine as well. So either one, you choose, whatever, whatever works. Awesome. All right, so thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I know that like so, so many of us, all of us are, are really like carrying that weight in some way. So um, just really appreciate that we're a church that responds um, and really wants to uh, seek out what the Lord's best is for every situation. And oh man, our hearts go out to that. So um, one of the things that we want to keep our eyes focused on too, though, is the gospel. Uh, it's times like these where it's so easy to be like, I need to respond and react. And, and really the reality is the world needs a savior. Okay, the world needs a savior. Okay, so, so yes, there are lots of hopefully things that are happening to, to stop that. But then at the same time, like our prayer, our heart is, Lord, me first, but then also the gospel as much as possible. So yet another reason to get into a life group and, and listen to this study on Colossians that talks about the gospel living through you. It's just going to be really powerful. So uh, I have to stop talking and get into my sermon because I've got to, like, it is a lot this morning. Are you guys ready to run? Uh, because it, it's going to be fast-paced and it's going to be like, you're going to have to take notes or like just put record on your phone and then take notes later. So open to chap- uh, Daniel chapter one, if you would. We're in a series called Made New. Uh, and uh, this is all based off the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17, where it says this, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So last week, if you, were, if you missed out on last week, I really want to recommend you go back and just listen to that on any of the apps or whatever, or on YouTube. Go listen to that message because it really helps today's message, but really talked about the difference between being of the world and of Christ. And then when, when we are in Christ, those that are believers versus those who are followers, I think there is a delineation in between those. And, and we want to make sure that we're walking with Christ. We're following after Christ. We're not just, uh, I'm not just a Christian. I'm actually doing the things that he's asking me to do. And that really is challenging. It really is sacrificial. It means I have to lay down the things that, man, I probably have my hands in already, but you know what? Christ sacrificed all so we can sacrifice some. Can I get an amen? And everybody's like, yeah, I love sacrificing things. Uh, But Romans calls us to be a living sacrifice. That is a big delineation, a big difference from that of the world. The world says, give me, give me, give me, serve me, serve me, serve me, make me comfortable. I want to be comfortable. And Paul's like, no, 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 be a living sacrifice. Give away, give away, be like Christ. Sound good? That was the sum up from last week, but you still need to go listen to it. This week is the fiery furnace, and we're talking about confrontation of faith 
and culture, com- the confrontation of faith and culture. Today, we will see this example with Daniel and his three companions about uh, living this new life in the midst of the world because they were slaves. They had no real chance to live anything differently than what was actually told and dictated to them. So a little bit of historical background before we get into Daniel chapter one, but the people of God stopped following after God. They became believers, but they weren't really followers. They weren't really laying down their lives saying, how can I serve you? What would you like from me, your creation? So, so this is where they found themselves. God warned them over and over. And then the king of Babylon came in and took them out and took them as slaves and kept, uh, held them in captivity. So this is where Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you, under, you probably know this story. If not, uh, you missed out on, uh, what was I going to say? Life Kids, Children's Ministry, all growing up. Um, you missed the good stories, but go back and reread this. You'll probably have to anyway, because I have to scream through a lot of these passages. But I want to get to the, this point of owning our faith and confronting the culture that we're part of. Because whether or not you like it or not, we are in the culture that we live in. There's no way to do, you can't not be in this world until you're in heaven with Jesus. (laughs) Amen. So Daniel chapter one, verses one through five, I'm going to read these and then we're going to go on. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. But these, uh, these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Okay, so he took all the things from the temple of God, and then he took them and he put them to serve his God. Uh, then the king ordered Aphanes... Uh, chief of the court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Interesting. Are we, are we paying attention to what's happening here? I'm going to take the best of the best, the young, the influencers, those of nobility. I'm going to take the influencers of their culture. I'm going to indoctrinate them into my culture. And then I'm going to help have them help me lead their people with my ideologies. Huh. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Nice. Who doesn't want that? Well, that's a lure for any teenager, teenage boy, that is for sure. Like, yeah, give me all of me. Give me all the stuff. Uh, The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Let me just real quickly tell you about the world. When I say the world or culture, this this is what I'm getting at because I didn't do a really good job of that last week. The world refers to this, refers to the world system to all its values, mindset, philosophies, and life, and prior, philosophies of life and priorities that run contrary to the will and way of God. 
Okay, so all the things that run contrary to the things of the Lord, that is the culture, that is the world, that is the world that is under the dominion of Satan. Okay, this is the devil. This is the one who is the adversary of our lives, the, the accuser of the brethren, okay? So, so this worldly influence is what we're seeing this king do to these teenage boys. Daniel was said to be 16 years old when he was pulled into this. I think his companions were right around the same age. So here's what happens. The culture and the world wants to own you and also your religion, okay? So those of us who are like, yeah, I'm a Christian and that's my religion and I'm standing firm and I'm standing to it. Well, they wanna rip all that away and then redefine it as their own. They wanna make it their own, okay? So they wanna reshape and reform that. The, they he took the royal family and the nobility, the best of the best, like I told you. He wanted to teach them his language. Think about school. Think about kids. Think about all the things that we're taught. As a parent, I want to know what my kids are learning. I want to know what's being put in front of them so that we, we understand and know what, what's coming in and through them. What is teaching and shaping and molding their ideology? Does that make sense? So we want to know. We want to, we want to understand that. Uh, there's a lavish lifestyle for teenagers with the food and the wine. So any teenage boy, of course, is going to be like, heck yes. Can I get an amen? Yes, Lord, you are the God of provision. Bring it into my mouth. Okay, the only problem with this, this food, it actually was, was in, in, uh, had to do with idol worship. So this food was actually sacrificed to their gods and their idols. And if they were to eat it, it would actually uh, go against the law that the Lord had already set in Leviticus. So, so it had dietary laws and it had this other form of laws that were they, if they partook, it would, it would um, defile their relationship with the Lord, okay? So, so here, here's where they're, they're at this crux, and it was a three-year journey. Did you hear that? It took three years of training, indoctrination, in order to get them to this place where they had understanding of the language, understanding of the culture, where they were indoctrinated, and then let go of their old and start, stepped into this new way of living, Three years is a long time. There's this slow build. So sometimes we think, man, well, you know, like uh, uh, in, in culture, we don't agree with something, but then if it's, a long, if it's around long enough, all of a sudden in three, five, 10 years, it's like, well, this is, I mean, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, everybody's doing it, right? So, I mean, yeah, we should, it's, God's good with it. There's this, there's this slow uh, burn to this and that where, where it's not helpful for anything. So this, so this confrontation begins with the faithful followers or confronting this culture with uh, Daniel and his companions. And the world also says, conform or be canceled. That's like such a word right now, cancel. You're canceled, cancel culture. And I wanna have a countercultural uh, uh, response to this, like, cancel me, whatever, I don't care. I'm following Christ. You can't cancel that. Like, you can't cancel Christ. So I'm going to follow after Christ. You can, you can shame me and blame me all you want, but I'm following after Christ. So I'm going to be countercultural to this. Okay, so Daniel chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, it says, among those were chosen, uh, sorry, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. I keep on trying to memorize those names because that's their original name. I want to keep those names in front of me. 
The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave Belteshar. Uh, to Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Ezariah, Abednego. All right, so here they have these new names, these new identities, these new labels. I think Kevin had said like the world puts labels on us and and this is what the world does. The world took away their God-given names, these names that actually represented the Lord. Literally, all all their four names represented something of the Lord. And then they put labels and these new names on them, which which actually represented the, the idols and the images and the gods of their world. So it's really unique how the world wants to take and strip away and put on what they want on. All right. And so if we're not, again, like I said last week, sober and diligent and clear-minded and understanding, I am not backing down from this. This is my mark. This is where I'm going. I am following after Christ. This is who I am as a son and daughter of God. Don't you dare change my name. Don't you dare put anything else on me because God created me. And he's the only one that gets to identify who I am. So culture and the world uh, are, are trying to rename us. Uh, God saves us and redeems our name. Our, one of our, I feel like we keep on sharing the same verse, but fear not for I've redeemed you, says the Lord. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. The Lord knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows your identity. He knows your gifts. He knows your talents. He knows your flaws. He knows you so, so well. So why would we allow the world to dictate and or label us children of God? We we shouldn't. And so we've got to stand firm on that. We've got to like, no, I'm not backing down from this. Last week I was like, I'm just tired of this. And so there's something that's rising up within me and I hope some of you just saying, no, 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 no more. No, we're we're not backing down from this. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are God given names. So now they go on. Daniel did not conform. He didn't, he didn't conform to any of this. He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and drink. He asked for a 10-day trial. I'm fast-forwarding a little bit. He asked for this 10-day trial of, of just basically fasting and just eating vegetables uh, and water. And that's all he, they ate, all four of these guys, these young men. And, and the, the, uh, <clears throat> the guy in charge of them was like, no, no, no. Like, if I do that, I'm going to get killed. And, and the Lord gave them favor just to ask for this 10-day trial. And after 10 days, the, the guy above them said, wow, you guys actually look better than the rest of them. Maybe that says something about what we're eating. I don't know about you. So at the end of the 10 days, it says actually healthy, they were healthier and better nourished than any who ate the royal food and drink. Isn't it interesting when we live according to the world, it feels so right, but yet we actually are malnutritious. We have malnutrition in our, in our walk, in our spiritual diet. And so therefore we are actually decaying because of that. Even though the world would say, oh, you're doing so good. This is so great. When inside you're eroding. Romans chapter 12, verse two says this, do not conform. Everybody say conform. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then. Then you will be able to test and approve. You'll be able to test. When I don't conform to the world, I'll be able to test and then approve God's will. Wow. 
So I'm not going to be conformed by the patterns of this world. I'm not gonna do the thing that everybody else does just because, oh, it's easier on our checkbook or, oh, everybody does it. That's self-justification, uh-uh, that's sin. I wanna go to the, to the patterns of my God who created me and understand who and what he's asking me to do and be. Then I'm gonna be sure of it. Then I'm gonna understand his will and his approach for my life. I'm not going to conform. And conform means doing and blending in with the ways and lifestyle of the world that is conforming to it. All right, so jump to Daniel chapter one, verse 17. We're gonna fast forward a little bit. It says, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. So God took the things that the Babylonian king was giving them and the Lord actually began to use this as a blessing for them. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Verse 18, at the end of the time he set, uh, at the end of the time set by the king, which is three years, uh, to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 19, the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In, the, in, every, uh, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better. Everybody say 10 times better. Look at the person next to you and be like, you're 10 times better. Yeah, that's right. 10 times better. You two need to do that to each other. I didn't see you do that. I just want to make sure that you guys. 10 times better than what everybody else, where, where everybody else was. And he found them 10, 10 times better. You see, the Lord, as, as these young men were faithful and they, and they didn't give in to the pressure of all of this food and dietary regulations, they, they stuck to what the Lord was asking them to do. And then they gained favor with where they were at in the midst of the world they were in even though they should have been killed, even though because they had some pushback. You don't, you're a slave. You don't get to push back. The Lord opened up doors and opportunities. None were equal to Daniel and his companions. In every way, they were 10 times better. Anybody want 10 times better? Okay, good, good. I, I, I don't know, man. I just like every time the world has such a deception upon us that, that is so luring and enticing that we just, oh, yeah, I just, I just so, uh, so easy and comfortable that when we actually have to live as a living sacrifice, it's challenging, it's daunting, it's hard in every way, shape, and form. But when we do and we give to the Lord, when we, when we serve in all of the ways, he gives us favor where we are at. It reminds me of Acts chapter two at the, after the day of Pentecost when all of the church was working together, thriving together in unity. It says they gained favor with all men. Every, everyone around them gave them favor inside or outside of the church because there's this collective understanding, wow, I wanna partner with them because something's on them and it's the spirit of God. Thank you. So here we are, they're, they've given, they're given these new names And now we're going to power through. We're not going to look at chapter two. You can do that on your own time. Let's go to chapter three. I want to look at chapter three. We're going to start in verse four, but basically what happens at the beginning of chapter three is King Nebuchadnezzar, he creates this image. He creates this idol. And now uh, the, the entire nation is bound by these laws to actually fall and worship this one single idol. 
And so here is what happens in chapter three, verse four through six. It says, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that the King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Whoever does not fall and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So wow, what a pressure cooker. Okay, so they got through the whole food situation. They were given favor. Now they're serving in the king's court in his service. And so now all of the nation, everybody, not just the people, but also the servants, they're all required to do this. And this is where the real test comes in. They didn't eat the food and they didn't bow. So we're gonna get to this in a second, but this is countercultural. They didn't, they didn't end up just serving and bowing down to this image. No, they actually kept their ground. They stood strong. And so we're skipping down. We're gonna skip a little bit, but we're gonna get to the point where we really need to get to. They did not worship other gods, but the God of the Israelites. Those of the world do not like this non-conformity. Isn't it interesting that just if you just read this passage really quickly again, I'm not gonna totally read it, but at the very beginning in verse four, he says, the herald loudly proclaimed, this is what the world will do. Everybody together, and if you don't, canceled. Fire furnace, death, ousted, out, you're gone. So as soon as there's disagreement, as soon as there's an unwavering faith in something else, Man, there's destruction in their midst, and that's the promise in front of them, but they were still going to be countercultural to this, to this nation, even in the midst of all of these pressures. So when new life is formed by Christ, and should be un, it should be unyielding to change from the world. So when I'm transformed by the power of Jesus, no longer should I then be conformed to the power of this world. Okay? Once I'm transformed in Christ, that is where. I stand. So therefore, the world and the pressures that come with it, I can stand, uh, stand back and say, no, 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 I'm not going to live like that. Why? Because I know that God is with me. I know that he's going to be for me. I know what he's going to do. So this is what happens. They don't bow. And then guess what happens? The astrologers, all of the people, all the smart guys, all the smart people around the king, the, out of all of them, the astrologers come around to the king and say, the Jews, you know, those four guys, they're not bowing down. Who likes a tattletale? Man, I was the youngest kid, so I imagine that I was a tattletale every once in a while, but I don't remember being that. The astrologers, of course it's those guys. The stars are telling me that they didn't bow to your God. So he comes to, they come to the king and basically they say, look, Nebuchadnezzar, you said if nobody bows, then they're gonna be thrown into fire, into the furnace. So here we are in this moment of, of, of total tension, okay? Let's go to verse 13. It says this, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods of worship or worship the image of God I have set, of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zero, lift, oh man, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall and bow, uh, fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. 
then what God, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. So they didn't do what the world was proclaiming them to do. I re, uh, it reminded me of John chapter 15. It says, it's not on the board, but it says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. I don't know about you, but that's a living sacrifice. That is challenging. That is daunting. I don't want people to hate me. Anybody else with me on that one? But the reality is that if we are standing firm in Christ and we are not going to bow down to the images and the idols of pagan worship that this world offers today, then I'm going to get some pushback. I'm go- There's going to be some heat. There's going to be some fury. There's going to be some rage from those around me inside my family and outside my family. And this is just a place where I have to trust that the Lord is with me. I find it unique that, that they use these instruments uh, of worship to declare, this is the moment you're going to bow down to a false god. These instruments were made to worship and honor God. <laughs> they, were, they were made to glorify the Lord of the Israelites. And yet here they're using these instruments as something pagan uh, in the society of the Babylonians. And then he says, if you're ready, If you're ready, maybe this was a mistake. Here's your second chance. Hey, no problem. This one time I'll let you lose. But if you don't bow down, man, fiery furnace right now. And so here we are uh, in this moment of of total tension. So verse 16 says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is probably my favorite part. They replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves. We don't need to defend ourselves. How, how, how often do we feel like we have to rise up? I've got to stand. I've got to make my defense. I've got to make sure they know that I know that you. I've got to make sure they know all the things. Because if not, like there's this defense in us that rises up. Maybe some of us, some of that's the, that's the fight one. The flight one is, but the, the fight is I need to prove my point. And they're like, guilty as charged. Guilty. I can't, we can't defend ourselves. We don't, we, we didn't bow down. This is where we are. So we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, these might, might be some of the most bold words ever spoken in the Bible. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So they had no defense. There's no defense needed. They had this courage to confront and just say, guilty, guilty as charged. Now, you, king, have the ability to give us our life sentence. Is it going to be the furnace? Okay, if so, God can save us. If not, then, hey, we'll be with him anyway. And we'll be out of your reign and your authority. Praise God. So it'll just be a little hot for a moment. Where, where, I, where I found myself in this passage in particular right here, I, I shared this with our life team group this morning. Uh, those who, who are serving this morning in, in our services, we meet just before service, we pray together. 
But I found, I found this interesting dynamic right here because uh, I, don't, <clears throat> I find courage when others are around me. <laughs> I, find, I find courage and strength when those are with, who, who are with me are like, we're all on the same page, moving in the same direction. Um, and so these three guys, they were set in front of the king together. They, all three of them decided, they made a decision in their heart, I'm not gonna conform to the patterns of this world. I'm going to live my life according to the standards of my creator, my God. And so if that means I'm not going to give in to, to craven images, I'm not gonna serve other gods like the commandments say, then I'm gonna have to weigh the consequence of that and, choose, and say, it is what it is. I have no defense. I find when we are alone in our walk with the Lord, it's way easier to give in. It's way easier just to give way. And the enemy is so good at picking us off when we're alone and isolated. In our thoughts, by the way, we could be surrounded by a million people, but in our thoughts, we're all alone. That's because we are not sharing and carrying one another's burdens the way we need to. Hello, life groups. I'll let that one settle for a second while you log on to your lifechurchchico.org and sign up for a life group. <clears throat> I need you with me so that I can have courage to stand in front of the world, the leader of the world at this moment for them and say, not gonna happen. Not gonna do it. We're either gonna see a miracle or we won't, but I trust our God no matter what and I will not serve another God. What faith. Verse 19, <clears throat> then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his, his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and committed some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, the furnace so hot, that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. So not only was, was this man's fury already stated, but when they came back after his second chance and they said, no, 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 we're not gonna bow down, his fury was even more, more rage, more trouble, more challenge. And, and so he said, seven times hotter, make it seven times hotter. I want them to pay. How dare they not live according to my rules, my regulations, and my standards? So the world cannot understand faith. In their misunderstanding, rage and fury come quick if we resist to conform to the patterns of their world. When we receive, when we receive salvation and we're made new, we choose a life of faith in God rather than anything of this world. Their fury, like the king's, it only hurts themselves. See, the king's fury of, of, of adding the temperature to the furnace seven times actually killed his own people, his own soldiers who, who tried to put them into the furnace. They died right there as they stepped over them or were being pushed into the furnace. How wild is that? Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there, weren't there three men that, were that we tied up and, and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. 
God was with them. Emmanuel, he is with you in the fire. He is with you in the furnace. He, he will be with you when you stand firm and hold to the truths that he has asked you to live out. He is not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. He's going to walk with you through uh, whatever might come your way. Because the fear of us says, well, well, well we won't make it. We won't. We, man, if we tithe, should I bring that up? If we tithe and do what God asks us to do, we won't have enough. And God says, I'm going to stand with you in the midst of your life and I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why would I ever let you starve because of that? Because you're honoring me, because you're glorifying me when you're living according to the standard that I set before you. I would never let that happen. So here they are in the midst of this furnace and someone is with them. Most scholars would say that was Christ with them. In the hottest places we find ourselves, uh, faith, uh, find our faith within the world, God is with you. You are not alone. He is walking with you. I like that it says that they were unbound and unharmed because, of God, because God was present. They just walked right in around in this fire. It's something we can't really fathom, we can't really imagine, like seven times hotter, that's pretty hot. Uh, guys walking up to it died, so there was something upon them that kept them safe, that's the spirit of God. So verse 26 through 27, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. Interesting how their identity just changed. Servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. The ones that were saying, throw them into the fire, put them, burn them, burn them, burn them, throw them in. All of them were around these three men, eyes wide open, crowding around them. Amazing what happens when you follow after the heart of God and he does something miraculous. You'll be crowded around by people you never thought would be possible. You'll gain favor with those that you didn't think you were possible. It says, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Interesting that they were so close that they could smell them. That's a little awkward. But they didn't have, I mean, think think about this, right? There's only one opening to this furnace. They had to step over the decayed, burnt, charcoaled bodies that died just before them. Not a smell of fire or smoke was upon them after they'd been crowded around. No hint of harm. So now they have these new titles, like I just said, servants of the most high God. They had lived this, but now they were known by it. So once you begin living this out, walk it out, Walk this faith out. You'll begin to be known as a son or daughter of God, one who follows after the heart of the Lord, who does not waver according to the patterns of the world, and you'll be known and seen as a daughter or son of God. So they crowded around them and saw no hint of harm, not even the smell. And this is what it looks like to be part of the world, but not of the world. 
I don't know about you, but this is where I go, Lord, just have your way. Because I need you. I need, your, I need you to respond in all the different ways. I'm going to have the worship team come up. We're going to close in worship. And as they're doing that, I want to finish off this chapter. I've read almost this whole chapter, so I thank you for bearing with me. It says this in verse 28. And Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defiled the king, king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god, their own god, except their own god. Therefore, I decree, listen to this, his fury flips right here. This is incredible. His fury, this, this Nebuchadnezzar, I think he was maybe a little bipolar. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or, lang- or, or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble and no other God can, uh, for no other God can save in this way. Remember his comment when he said, no God can save you through this. And now he's recognizing there's only one God that can save you through this. So maybe there's this maybe one God that we need to run to and come to and, and come under the authority of instead of coming to the patterns of the world that they so offer so easily. So no other God can save. Let's say that with me. No other God can save. One more time. No other God can save. Let's stand. Let's close out in worship. And as we do, just... You know the challenges and trials in front of you. You know the fire that you might be standing in. Maybe you're walking over a hot bed of coals. I'm not sure. But the Lord wants to be with you in that moment. So this is your opportunity to say, Lord, be with me. Use the situation. Use this trial. Change the setting. Change the dynamic. Change the temperature. Whatever you need to do. And invite him into that place. And see him begin to move in ways that you never thought were possible. So then, after this, people would crowd around you and go, what just happened? How did you get through that? What did you see? What is, who was with you in the fire? Like, so many testimonies are given through this time. Let's worship. Let's just declare our identity in Christ. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am 
how great the love the Father has for us, that he would lavish it upon us and be called sons and daughters of God. Lord, we thank you that you call us into your family. You welcome us in. You care for us when, when we're in your family. So Lord, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that, Lord, we are called your children. We are called your sons and we're called your daughters. So Lord, as your children, we, we call out to you. We ask you that you'd, you'd help us understand what it is to live under your authority and your reign, to be a follower after you, Jesus, to not be ashamed of you and the gospel, that you've saved us, that you've reconciled us to the Father. So Lord, no matter what fingers are being pointed our way, no whatever fury might come our way, whatever rage might come our way, whatever differences that we have, Lord, I pray that we would continue on pace with you, Lord. So Lord, that those around us might crowd around us and sense and feel and understand that just like King Nebuchadnezzar said, no other God can save. Only these guys, God, can save them. Lord, that we might live and honor and glorify you so that all men might see and give you glory as well. Lord, may we be the examples of what it is to follow after you wholeheartedly. Thank you for this example of these three companions who stood by one another, put friends in our life like that who point after you and and give us courage and boldness along the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.